Hello everybody and welcome to another interview here with Richard Carter from the Data Lab. And today it's my great pleasure to have Stefan Verhulst, who is co-founder and Chief Research and Development Officer with the Governance Lab based out of New York University in America. Thank you, thanks for having me. No problem at all, Stefan. It's great to see you over here. So, um, I know you've had a long and varied career to date, and uh, it's probably easier if I ask you to summarize your background in, in data science and, and actually where, where you stand and how you got to this point today. Well, thanks for again having me, and thanks for the question. And um, to a large extent, I started off the, uh, uh, the quest to focus on data uh, by focusing on policies that could enable the use of data for public good. And uh, uh, many years ago, uh, I was based in Glasgow, mm -hmm. at the uh, University of Glasgow, where I uh, focused on how the emerging new technologies uh, really could improve people's lives, but also what were the policy challenges and how to go about this. And that led then ultimately to also co-founding a center at Oxford University. And then subsequently, I joined a private foundation in New York City, the Markle Foundation, that focused on how can you use information and data to address critical public needs. And so that was the main focus of the uh, foundation. And as a such, I became more of a generalist, really trying to understand how data could be used, for instance, for improving public health, or how data could be improved for, or could be used for improving education, mm -hmm. or for development, or even national security. And so, uh, based upon that, I came to the um, uh, conclusion that data really is an important asset for changing the way we solve problems, but that we also need to start thinking about how can we document the value proposition with real evidence of how it works. And that's why we created GovLab. Okay, great. So how long have you, uh, have you been working in this field then? Well, as I said, I started me I, from Glasgow. I'm initially, I'm initially from Belgium, where I was based uh, uh, and focusing on some of those questions. But um, I, I would say from Glasgow, that was in 1995 uh, onwards. Uh, thing uh, I've focused on the emergence of new technologies, and one big takeaway of the emergence of digital technologies is obviously the creation of digital data. And people don't realize that that really has been transformative. The, the fact that data uh, is digital means mm -hmm. that you actually can apply new analytics to that data to provide new insights that you couldn't uh, establish uh, previously. And so that's the real journey, I guess, that sure. uh, led me here. So, but I guess, I mean, for a lot of people, they're maybe just thinking about these issues today and think they're quite recent issues, but it's interesting to hear that actually, you know, there's a lot of research has gone on for quite a period of time around this area. Yeah, no, this is, uh, obviously, we are at a peak moment when data uh, fills the headlines of uh, newspapers, but um, uh, the creation of data, the collection of data, the subsequent analysis of data clearly has gone through a pathway uh, and uh, obviously uh, we would not be able to actually uh, leverage the data if we also would not have made huge progress on the science side of uh, analyzing data and I think mm -hmm. that's uh, uh, really the coming together of on the one hand a huge amount, abundant amount of information and data plus then the increase in scientific uh, uh, methods 
to analyze and make sense of the data. Sure. Plus then also what we will see uh, a policy ecosystem that allows for um, the uh, extracting extraction of insights in a responsible manner. Those are the elements that really create the current uh, environment and where I think Data Lab is, uh, is really uh, taking a leadership position to steer it in the right direction. Absolutely. We'll come on to policy maybe a bit later on. I was looking at your biography and I was very interested to see you've been very active uh, around open data and I just wonder if there's any uh, stories or examples you can share there. I know you've done some work with developing economies in the recent past. Yeah, so one of the uh, um, focus areas uh, of the GovLab is really to try to understand how do you unlock data for public good, but more importantly then, how do you identify the demand and the impact of data that is unlocked? And so we've done a lot of work on focusing on unlocking government data. Government collects a huge amount of data uh, either directly or indirectly through uh, the way they provide services or make decisions. And uh, clearly the proposition here is that this data belongs to citizens and is from citizens and so there is a certain kind of moral obligation to give back and that obviously is the whole movement uh, around open government data. Now, what we've tried to do is to actually increase the aperture of the value proposition with regard to open government data because a lot uh, and, and really valuable um, um, uh, for valuable reasons, a lot of the focus has been on using open government data to establish government accountability, whether it's around identifying how budgets are being spent or whether it's about identifying how uh, public services are delivered or potholes are filled or not. Um, that's obviously an important value proposition. But what we have tried to do is actually broaden that uh, value proposition and, and, and indicating and also analyzing uh, what the other value uh, propositions might be. And it turns out that improving government by making it more accountable and by making its services more cost-efficient or efficient uh, is an important value proposition. But there are others, such as, for instance, um, empowering individuals. I mean, knowing when the bus uh, uh, will show up uh, is an important empowerment of an individual uh, um, and can uh, be established thanks to open data. Mm -hmm. uh, people don't realize that some, sometimes. Having the insight on where you should go for certain kinds of medical conditions based upon an analysis and comparison of hospitals made uh, feasible through open data uh, improves people's uh, decisions on how to go about uh, caring about themselves and so on. So the, the, the real, uh, uh, one additional real value proposition is really about empowering individuals. But we can also um, create new economic opportunity. And uh, what we have done uh, at the GovLab uh, um, is basically a pioneering uh, study which is still um, um, has not been replicated uh, by, uh, by others. Um, is that we, in, like two years ago, uh, we tried to um, analyze what corporations are using open data and would likely not exist 
uh, without the availability of open data. And so we created something called the Open Data 500, mm -hmm. which was uh, and is 500 corporations that, as I said, would probably not exist without the availability of open data. And so it shows that open data can be a driver for economic activity, job creation, and ultimately also economic well-being. Can you think of any example? I mean, I'm just thinking that certainly in the UK, the open data that was provided by Transport for London's had quite a transformative effect on people's ability to navigate public transport uh, down there in London. Are there any sort of specific examples you'd point to? That yeah, there are various, again, there are various. Uh, but anyway, one of the most famous examples, of course, the Climate Corporation, which uh, uh, basically got sold uh, a few years ago for two billion. Uh, dollars and what they do is basically leveraging open data uh, and now of course they have uh, uh, additional data feeds that they uh, create themselves but it was basically um, um, agricultural data combined with um, uh, satellite data open uh, uh, satellite data from the, uh, that, that ultimately established their business and so that's like one uh, example mm. other examples are related with for instance um, 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 data that um, um, corporations are using for real estate uh, uh, um, uh, value uh, um, examinations and uh, with open data you can actually anyway, make some kind of an understanding about what the value might be of a property in a certain kind of uh, uh, locality and, and that's again uh, radically uh, um, interesting and also transformative uh, if you want to think about the value of your property or if you want to uh, see whether the real estate price is the appropriate one. For instance. Yeah, I've seen examples of this. I think it might be the same one that you're talking about where uh, they use the images from Google Street Maps and so rather than just having a description of your property that it's got four bedrooms and two bathrooms etc. Now using image uh, scanning techniques you can actually uh, use those as features to derive evaluation on a property. Yeah, yeah, and you combine that with um, um, what the Department of Buildings, for instance, in cities uh, uh, have, which uh, relates to what was the price of the previous uh, 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 transaction of uh, selling a property. Uh, you you know based upon open data whether there were any um, uh, renovations. Uh, done because you have to, uh, you know, if you have to apply for a license to do renovations, well, all that is information that, uh, uh, when brought together, suddenly can give you a more um, transparent uh, insight about um, the uh, state of um, a certain um, property and what the value might be. Sure. And I think I'm right in saying that you've done work with developing countries as well. I just wonder, at a high level, what the differences are that you've found between working, uh, say, in the United yeah. States with, the, with that data and some of the other countries that you might have worked with. Yeah, so we've done also um, um, an, an extensive analysis of the value of open data for developing countries. And I think the real um, takeaway there is that uh, open data is even more important within developing countries because of its democratizing uh, effect um, that uh, in the more developed countries uh, data might be available from other sources but in, uh, um, and, and might be available at cost. Um, in developing countries um, cost is an issue 
And government for quite often has a far more important role in developing certain kinds of services that in other countries are being conducted by uh, commercial services. And so government is a real important data holder and unlocking that data allows for entry uh, citizens and of course also businesses to create value. And I think that's the real uh, takeaway is that open data is even more important in developing countries than in the developed uh, world, um, including uh, also the need for more accountability and transparency, sure. uh, uh, given the uh, uh, quite often challenges of corruption and the like that is taking place there. Now, uh, obviously there are challenges involved as well, including the quality of the data uh, and also resource challenges, uh, both in terms of funds uh, and in terms of uh, uh, expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, when uh, you can meet those challenges, then uh, open data has a, clear, um, has a clear value proposition for uh, development. Mm, it's great. It's great to hear that you're helping these countries out actually and, and set them on the path. It's, it's a story I'll follow with interest. I know now that you're, you're also very passionate about um, the uh, use of uh, data provided by corporates and private companies as well going forward. So how, how have you, uh, what kind of work have you been doing in that field recently? Yeah, well we came to the realisation, having focused on open government data, that for many of the questions that could um, make a difference in people's lives, um, open government data is important but quite often not sufficient. And um, the second uh, realization was that obviously the data that might make a difference resides within corporations. Uh, corporations, in whatever they do, uh, especially if they are digitally enabled, and it's hardly uh, it's hard to find a company that is not digitally enabled these days, um, is collecting data. And um, and so what uh, we have focused on is how can you also unlock that data set for public good, with the realization that obviously this is a different environment, that you cannot expect corporations to make their data freely and uh, fully uh, available. And that's why we uh, have focused more on how do you collaborate with data, uh, with corporations around the data, then uh, ask for a full open uh, data sets and so the project that we have created is called data collaboratives and here we've done a variety of things one is actually uh, um, try to map current practices uh, and so far we have uh, a repository where you can learn from with more than 100 examples on how corporations have collaborated with public uh, uh, and private uh, organizations to leverage the data for public good mm -hmm. in, across sectors whether it's healthcare sector, or whether it's uh, uh, transportation sector and the like, or whether it's about urban planning, for instance, and the like. Uh, and based upon that, we've also identified that there is no one way of collaborating, that there are different ways, and so now we have a better understanding on how to do this, mm -hmm. and we also have a better understanding on what the incentives are for corporations to do so. Because well, each time when I talk with people about uh, um, corporate data for public good, they always look at me as if I'm a naive uh, person, which is very likely to be true. But there are also, um, uh, there are also motivations and incentives uh, for corporations to actually engage in that kind of sharing activity. And so one, for instance, uh, involves uh, reciprocity, where uh, you share something and you get something back, and mm -hmm. you're getting back 
might be other data. Mm -hmm. uh, so that actually suddenly you, you have a better insight uh, within the context in which you operate as a company. Mm -hmm. uh, but it might also be expertise, like domain-specific expertise that is very hard to come by, that by sharing data you suddenly have access to domain-specific expertise that your company might not have. The other, anyway, we have six incentives, I'm not <laughs> going to give you all of them, but an important one that we have identified uh, turns out to be retainment of talent. Um, as Data Lab knows, um, um, data expertise is a very important um, commodity within uh, corporations. And it turns out that for several uh, corporations, the data scientists are very excited to join the corporation. But if they realize a few months down the road that their main effort is to optimize advertising, uh, sometimes they are somewhat less uh, uh, motivated uh, to stay within the corporation. Mm -hmm. And so an important um, incentive for corporations to collaborate with um, NGOs and public sector around solving hard problems is to actually um, engage their data scientists around the data in a manner that data scientists feel that they also have contributed to uh, society's uh, well-being beyond optimizing advertising. Yeah, no, it's something I really think is very important and, and I'd like to hope that uh, the Data Lab does very well as well. It's obviously you're quite used to seeing the uses of data science in promoting economic benefit, but I think these kind of examples where there's a benefit to society actually kind of shows one hopes a bigger picture and a bigger use to, to this kind of data science explosion that we're going through at the moment. So it's always great to hear these stories and um, again, as a practicing data scientist, I, I'll hold my hands up. I'm always more uh, worried that I'm not getting the knowledge of algorithms and all the sort of technical aspects. But this area of governance, as, you've, as you mentioned earlier, and policies is one that I must admit I don't really follow too closely. So I just wonder for myself and the listeners if you could kind of explain to me where, where we are. And actually, is policy and governance able to keep up with this exponential growth that we seem to be seeing in the in the use of data science? Yeah, um, well, I think uh, there is a growing understanding that um, in order to uh, make better policies and in order to solve public problems and provide for uh, more efficient and targeted and in some contexts even personalized public services, uh, you will have to become more data driven and I think um, Quite often the focus is on, within government, is on evidence-based um, uh, policies, for instance, and that's very important, uh, but uh, it's quite often limiting uh, if you only start thinking about the, the value of data to provide evidence on some, whether something has worked. I think it's a very important uh, assessment to um, analyze what worked uh, hopefully in an agile manner so you don't have to wait five years uh, down the line to figure out whether actually a policy made a difference. Um, but I think there are other um, situations where data can be highly important. One is around um, using data to actually just describe reality uh, 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 because sometimes um, government uh, struggles with really understanding what is actually the scale of a certain problem, for instance. And if you would uh, uh, be more data-driven, you would actually really have a better baseline 
uh, of reality to start from, which then, by the way, can improve your assessment later on because then finally you have a baseline. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to assess if you don't have that uh, baseline. Second reason why I think um, um, government should care about um, becoming more data-driven is to not only describe reality better, but it's also to then understand reality better, i.e. to find correlations and hopefully causalities between variables and that explain why, for instance, uh, you have uh, a um, drug problem, for instance, or why there is child obesity uh, uh, emerging, so that you actually have a better understanding on what are the root causes, so that instead of focusing on the symptoms, you can then start focusing on the uh, variables that matter. And then, the, uh, uh, of course, the, the more interesting use of data for government is then on the uh, predictive uh, side, where you can not only um, be reactive uh, as a government, but where you can actually be proactive based upon some predictive analytics that assumes that uh, uh, there might actually be needs uh, moving forward, so that you also um, far more efficient in allocating your resources and even might prevent certain kinds of things from happening based upon your predictive uh, uh, insights. Mm. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like fascinating work, Stefan. <laughs> I'd love to chat to you more. Unfortunately, we're, we're kind of running out of time. Just just one last question, though. Uh, obviously, with you being at the University of Glasgow, I just wonder uh, if we can tempt you back to Scotland in any way, because as you say, uh, you know, data talent is, is quite hard to find sometimes, and uh, it'd be great to have somebody like yourself in Scotland. I, I'm guessing that you're you're happily based in uh, New York these days. Anytime. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, uh, I always see my... Uh, um, my stay in uh, Scotland was uh, one of the highlights of my life. So any time to, uh, to call me back, uh, I will uh, answer positively. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, well, Stefan Verhulst, uh, co-founder and uh, chief research and development officer of the Governance Lab in New York. It's been a pleasure to uh, chat Thanks. to meet you. We're, we're recording this at the time of DataFest, so I know you're going to do a presentation uh, today. And I really hope you enjoy your time here back in Scotland at DataFest. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks so much. To find out more about data science in Scotland, please visit the Data Lab's website at www.thedatalab.com.